Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Hello, friend, and welcome to Kissing in a Tree. I am your host, Kelly Nichols, and I am so excited to speak with you today. This week, we are going to be talking about something that affects so many of us. We're going to be discussing bisexuality and queer identity. I believe that conversations like this are always important, but especially so in today's political climate. As we celebrate Pride Month, we have a remarkable guest joining us today to shed light on the queer experience and offer a unique perspective on being a bisexual woman in a heterosexual presenting relationship. Christine and I have known each other for years, and I feel so honored that she has agreed to come on the show and share her story with you today. Christine, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Kelly. I really am appreciative, and I'm really glad to be here with you today. I'm excited to get into it. I know that you and I have discussed your sexuality, and I think you have such an interesting story to share. I really feel like people are going to connect with your story in a way that's really impactful. So I'm ready to jump in. You ready to go? Absolutely ready to go. All right. The first question that I have for you is when did you first begin to question your sexuality? At what point in your life did you first think, oh, I might not only like men? I would have to say around age 12, 13, um, that's when I noticed that women were being more attractive and I not only saw men being attractive, also them and started to venture out into questioning my thoughts on what should I do next? Fortunately for me, I was already exposed to this type of lifestyle and wasn't very difficult to move on from that point on to talk to people about it. The people that were most important to me to lead me in the right direction with my feelings. I got it. Got it. And when you say you were already exposed, what do you mean by that? What connections had you had to the queer community up until that point in your life? Absolutely. So um, my mother is full German. So we lived partially uh, in my younger years in Germany. And sexuality is very open over there. There, you know, you go to the beach, you go to the swim hole, there's women with no tops on, there's men with speedos. It's an open arrangement there to be not only comfortable with your own body, but they also are very pride um, approval. So like, They have gay pride parades all the time. Um, I remember my first pride parade. I wasn't expecting it. All I heard was parade because I was 12, 13 years old and my mom's best friend, lesbian. So I already knew about lesbian, bisexual, gays by that time. Um, So it it was like, okay, let's go to this parade. I didn't know it was gay parade, but it was a great experience. Uh, opened up my eyes to a lot of things, had conversations with her about it, which then led to me having discussions with my own mother about my sexuality. Um, So that helped tremendously being in an atmosphere that wasn't against it, that wasn't taboo. It wasn't, you know, a bad thing to have to feel different for other people to see that you know, I like women, I like men. So that's kind of how it started was Germany kind of opened up that difference from the United States to here. Absolutely. And when you were in America and beginning to kind of question your sexuality and explore more, how did um, American culture differ from German culture? Because I know that you said your mom is German and so she was very accepting, but during this time, weren't you living in Georgia? Absolutely. So Georgia in the area that I was in was very, um, strict. You had to follow guidelines of what a Christian family should be, which is another another part of the story. My growing up, I had no idea about God or, or Jesus until late in my teen years. Um, so that, that story came into later into my life. But in that area, it was you see a man and a woman together and only a man and a woman together. When a gay came out in that town, it was like everything was bad. Nothing was good with it. 
you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And that was in the area that I had to grow up in, which was difficult. Um, you know, my first couple of relationships had to be secretive. It wasn't allowed to be outspoken, couldn't hold hands together, couldn't whisper in each other's ears because people would say that's a bad thing for us to do. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, if you go to Germany, you see girlfriends, friends that are girls holding each other's hands. It's normal. It's a it's a good thing to have that support. And then you come here to the United States and they're just looking at you like that is the terriblest thing. You're going to hell. That kind of thing happened when I first started, you know, in the United States and trying to figure out my sexuality. It wasn't acceptable. It really wasn't. And then, and then being a woman being bisexual or a lesbian wasn't really a thing back then. It was men being gay that started off being the bad things. And then, well, can a woman be a bisexual or a lesbian? That kind of came into later into play. But yeah, it was a tough spot whenever I was a child-ish going into teenager, learning how I should navigate my sexuality for sure. Absolutely. Do you feel like your mother kind of held that space for you because she was so accepting and loving and, and understood that like how you identify is up to you. So do you feel like she was kind of your safe space to land during that time in your life when you were growing up in a part of the country that wasn't accepting? Absolutely. Yeah. She was, she's a woman that says, you need to follow your heart no matter what anybody says. And so she was always that person to say, come to me, no matter how you feel, what you think I might be upset about. She opened up her arms to us way before other parents would have accepted these things. And that's probably due to the culture that she grew up in, in Germany, accepting that this is your body, you make your choices. And so it was very easy for me to go up to her and say, hey, I think I'm bisexual. I think I like women, not, and I like men. Is that possible? And she opened up that door to me to say, let's discuss it. Let's sit down and, and figure out what's the next step with, with what we should do with this information. So absolutely. She was definitely a strong woman for me in my life to be open to what I could become, what I could do with it. So, yes. It seems like y'all had a really open and honest relationship where you communicate about things like attraction and sexuality. Um, I think that's so important in most relationships, but especially a mother daughter relationship. When you were talking to your mom about attraction, did you talk to her about what you were attracted to in men compared to what you were attracted to in women? Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause they're, they're different for me, for my, my experiences. Um, and I've talked about it before men obviously give us things in, in a section where women cannot give us, but then there's women things that I particularly care about is that we're very emotional and I'm a very emotional creature, which I like to have that emotional connection. There's the touch, like every, every person's different and everything, but in my experiences with being women with women is that, um, the, the sensual touching the conversations, that looks upon each other are a little bit more intimate in this, in an aspect than I did when I first started dating with men, men was just strictly to one thing and not for the whole relationship part. Um, so, you know, talking to my mother about that, it was, you know, I'm telling her what I like about this, about this boy and what I like about this girl. And she was always like, well, you know, you need to, what makes you the happiest is really at the end of the conversation. And, you know, to really think about the longevity of that relationship too, which in every single conversation with relationship, that's what you need to focus on. So um, her knowledge of having friends with lesbian friends, bisexual friends with gay friends, I think help encourage me to open up, to talk to her about how I feel about this one person or how I should, ask the person certain situations. Cause I wasn't, I didn't know that information. So that worked out really well between us. And you said you started to have these conversations with your mom when you were around 12 or 13. Is that when you started 
dating women and and exploring being in relationships with girls your own age? I would say I would be about 14 is when I actually kissed the girl, when I actually did more than just think about holding her hand or thinking about her just in general, um, which is young for being in a sexual relationship. And I couldn't even say until recently that I was like, I thought just kissing, just, you know, having touchies and stuff like that was just not sexual. When now I know the information I know, obviously further in life that it was actually pretty sexual for being 14 years old. Um, and I had not experienced that with men by that time or boys by that time. I didn't, I didn't go that far with a boy. My first kiss with a boy was probably 15. So my relationship and sexuality started actually with women than it was before men. Although, yeah, seven, eight years old, you got your school crush on the playground and all that stuff. But my first experiences were actually with women. I, that is so interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I do want to circle back to something that you said that you felt like your first physical intimate moments, especially with women weren't sexual. Do you feel like if you had had those same moments, but your partner had been male that you would have viewed it as sexual during that time of your life? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yes. (laughs) Um, yes, I would definitely say that that would have been, um, definitely in the sexual part of losing virginity, things like that. If I would have known, um, what I knew later in life. So, you know, my first experience was almost 16 years old. And when I say my first experience is when someone penetrated inside me, that's when I considered that I lost my virginity, but really ultimately the things that I did with my first real girlfriend at 14, I technically lost my virginity. Then if I had to compare it to what I had done with a a male Um, which is surprising, but at the same time, we don't consider that we never considered that having a female orgasm with another female orgasm is considered losing virginity. We weren't aware of that. And I didn't have that information. I think that is such a great point that you bring up, especially because our society focuses so much on male pleasure that that is how we talk about our first experiences, right? And I am a straight woman. So my experiences have always been with men, but it is, there is kind of a line of what exactly is sex because, you know, kissing isn't sex, but, you know, is digital penetration sex? You know, there is a gray area and so much of our society focuses on men. And so they put that milestone as, okay, virginity is penetration, But you bring up a great point that that is such a heteronormative view of relationships. And where does that really leave women who only love women? They might not like penetration, never be penetrated, don't want to be penetrated. Absolutely. They can have vibrant, beautiful sex lives that are very fulfilling. That doesn't mean that they're virgins, right? Right. Right. When did that mind shift happen for you? I know you said that you were older about what age was that switch flipped for you? 16. I would have to say 16 after I got sexually more active with men. And then that's when I realized the, the feelings that I had with them at that time or him at that time is the same feelings I had with my first girlfriend and realizing that I missed that connection in a sense, because I didn't know what that connection was fully until I got to that part of the relationship. Um, so but 16 years old is when I realized that I really do love women and I really do love men and it's okay. It's fine. I had someone, I had plenty of someone's to help me out, figure out this line of, of where my sexuality was leading to. And, um, it was a great, time in my life to finally have people that are very supportive and everything like that and made friends that were going through a similar situation that weren't open to talking about it before. So all of these things came around age of 16, which was a benefit for me. So you had other friends who were your age that were also exploring their sexuality at the same time? 
Yes. So like my second girlfriend was in the same position as me, didn't know what to do, didn't have the people to talk to. Parents were really religious. You can't do this, can't do that. And when she found out, because I'm pretty open and discussing about my feelings, that's when we were able to discuss things together and and start relationships outside of um, normality of relationships of uh, becoming friends and because we had common interest. Was it interesting to be able to discuss your sexuality and exploring your attraction to both genders with someone that you were being sexually active with? Y'all were both going through a similar thing. Did that really help you grow and learn to know your own sexuality because you have that partner to talk about it with? Yes, definitely. Cause we were both in the same boat. We both like men, but we both liked each other. We both were able to talk about these differences and how we should be with each other and with the other, other partners. And so, yes, it was definitely, um, a very gratitude issue for me to have that friendship with that person. Absolutely. It sounds like you were able to kind of find a sense of community and really queer community at a much younger age than many people you um, were around and also the part of the country that you were in, right? Right. Yes. When we are first, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to discuss that a little bit more and how you as a bisexual woman are able to relate to your queer community. So stay right there. We will be back in just a second. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement. But sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. We are back. Thanks so much for listening. Before the commercial, we were talking with Christine Ball. She was walking us through her early childhood experiences, exploring her sexuality and really coming to terms with the fact that she is attracted to both men and women. We are going to talk about that a little bit more. I'm going to really dive into your life now and the marriage that you have. So you did end up marrying a man. So that's something that I want to talk about a bit as a bisexual woman in a heterosexual relationship, can you tell me a bit about how that impacts your marriage? The fact that you are attracted to women, but obviously you have a husband, you're married to a man. How do you kind of juggle both of those identities? Absolutely. So, um, my husband is fully aware. I've spoke to him about my sexuality. The moment I met him, I want to be very open and honest. Um, being in a heterosexual marriage doesn't exclude the fact that I'm still bisexual. I still care. And I still, I'm not trying to say, I think 
terrible thoughts while I'm married to my husband. But, you know, if an attractive woman is walking by, I can say, oh my goodness, she's attractive. And he can say, yes, she is. And it doesn't, it doesn't affect our relationship because we're open to having these types of discussions. So, um, it's very great that I have a partner who knows that there's things that I can't turn off and it's not going to ever turn off. And I want to be married to him for the rest of our lives. Like he's the one for me. Um, but that me being bisexual is never something is always going to be, it's always going to be there and he's fully aware. And we talk about it all the time. Um, so it helps that my partner is accepting and very caring and listens to my thoughts. If I'm having, you know, thoughts of, you know, opening up the relationship, we've had this conversation before we're married, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be stuck together forever, but do I miss women? Of course. You know, I, we talk, I talk to him about that all the time. I talk about it. We're good with it. Then we keep going on with our relationship. So it's great that we have that connection and we can talk about these serious things in our relationship and he's okay with the fact that I'm bisexual woman. So that helps. Yeah. It seems like he really is able to hold space for you in a non-judgmental way. And like, he doesn't let shame, um, affect your relationship. You mentioned that you can say, oh, that's an attractive woman. And he will agree with you. Do you have any boundaries when discussing your attraction towards women? Um, do you feel like you are, um, cautious to say certain things because you're worried that your husband will feel, um, less than in your sexual relationship? No, I think, I think the fact that (laughs) we both have the similar taste, which helps in our relationship, it doesn't bother us either way. Um, I'm not worried that he will cheat. He's not worried that I would cheat. We've had these discussions. Would we open up our relationship? Am I attracted to someone specifically and things like that? And every single time it's, he's fine with it. He's cool with it. We're always joking around with certain situations. And I think at the end of the day, um, we will always continue having these, 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 uh, questions and, and, and these conversations, because again, I'm never going to be able to turn off a switch. Um, and, and I don't want to, because I want to stay true to who I am. That's why I'm on this talk show. This is why I talk to people who are questioning in their sexuality at this time. And to say, hey, my husband listens. My husband participates in my everyday life of being struggled between liking women and all that stuff. So it really helps out that he's an open person and he cares about how I feel. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely sounds like he prioritizes your sexual being in your relationship, whether or not it seems like he understands that you are a sexual being outside of your marriage. And that you are not only sexual when he is present, you're a sexual being in and of yourself all of the time. And like, what a gift, what a supportive partner to have. Um, You mentioned that you and he had discussed opening up your marriage and it sounds like y'all haven't taken that step yet. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit more about what those conversations look like and how people at home can have conversations with their spouse if they are kind of questioning their own sexuality in a way that is healthy? Absolutely. I mean, just opening up the the conversation and saying, hey, I have feels for a girl. I just happen to come across her. Her beauty is, I mean, just gorgeous. I just, I just want to go to her and kiss her. Like I've opened up these conversations like this because I don't want to hold in the attraction. I don't want to hold in that feeling that I have for someone. And it's similar to how we should with, if I was attracted to another male, I should not hold on to these things because we should have an open you know, conversation. And I don't want to become a cheater per se. Right. Like these, these actions are not I guess, not good in a relationship because that means I'm being attracted to someone else. But at the same time, I love my husband. I want to be with him and I can't close down what I see is attractive. And so whenever I'm talking to him, I said, Hey, I saw this beautiful lady today, beautiful red hair, blue eyes, pretty lips, all these things. I'm telling him all these things and I'm just openly asking him to listen and he's listening 
that is when we could discuss, well, should we open our relationship? Maybe you're missing a woman in your life. I personally have not been with a woman in over 17 years. It's a long time. And I kind of miss it. I kind of miss the the conversations that you have differently than with a male. I kind of miss the sensuality of a woman's lips and, and things like that. Those things, I do miss it. So I have to discuss it so I don't become a bad person in a relationship, if that makes sense. I want him to know, hey, you know, I was attracted to this girl. And okay, well, do you want to discuss opening up our marriage, having a girl with us? There's a limit, though, when we talk about it. If we would do something in this case in the future, it would have to be a woman that's only strictly that would be with us. Wouldn't have a relationship outside of out of our relationship. So there's a lot of things that we discussed about what we should, if we would get into that thing, how do we start it? Where would we go with it? How far would we go with it? It's a very hard line because at the same time, we want to be truthful to our feelings for each other, which we Mm -hmm. care about so much because he is so great. And it's not that he's not sexually pleasing me. It's not that he's not doing a great Thing as a man, there's just parts of me that miss having a woman. And that's just something that's always there. And luckily we can talk about it. It sounds like y'all have conversations about what would the boundaries look like if yes. you decided to take that next step. And it sounds like so far y'all haven't decided to take the next step. So y'all haven't been able to work out the boundaries, but I think that it's so important to know that those conversations can be had, especially if you are, um, worried that your partner will find it insulting, right? Right. Right. It's good to have a positive example that there are conversations that can be had about you questioning your sexuality that are healthy and productive with your partner. I do want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about how you are able to connect to the LGBTQ community while you are in your marriage, are you struggling or do you actively participate in, in pride celebrations like you once did? Where exactly is your space in the community now? Right. I wish I was more in tune with the community. Um, there's been occasional times when we've been to um, an outing at you know a college that did the LGBTQ um, I'm getting all those acronyms backwards, but, you know, we were able to go to that college. We were able to see that community and it was great. And I felt at home in a sense, but everywhere we keep moving to is a problem. We're out in little country towns that don't, don't, are not very supportive of the, of the community. And, um, I just don't have that connection everywhere I go. So when I have friends that are saying, hey, they're having this happening, I'm there for it. I want to be there for it. But I do feel a little bit of disconnect. I kind of wish I was more in tune and and like know what's happening with the community a lot more. Um, So, you know, fortunately, I have friends. I have friends that I can reach out to and say, hey, help me out. What's going on? Is there anything going on in your town that that's happening? Um, And again, fortunately for my husband, he's with me. He's going there with me. He's like, let's do it. So I have great friends. I have great, you know, I'm a great partner that will include for me to go into those things. It's just, I don't have those things available to me on a daily basis per se. It sounds like your barrier to being more involved in the queer community isn't necessarily that you are struggling with your own sexuality or that you don't feel like you can take up space, but it's more a uh, restraint physically because you do live in a, in a small town that doesn't have um, a lot of social programs that support your community. When you do go to um, bigger cities and you are able to participate in pride events, you mentioned that you felt like home. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What exactly does that feel like? Yeah. So, you know, um, the recent event we went to, we had, ladies, men, men dressed up in ladies form and, and ladies dressed in men form. And we had them going up on stage, doing dances and everything. They're in their own aura of saying, I'm comfortable with myself. 
I love myself. There's nothing better than where I'm at right now. That atmosphere, that love, like even the, the regular community was there too. It wasn't just, just us. There was everybody straight, bisexual, lesbian. Everybody was there just enjoying each other's company, enjoying the show. And you could just be relaxed and you can have fun and you could smile and you cannot be judged per se. And, and it was, it was a great feeling to finally have that connection that I haven't had in a while. And knowing that my husband is sitting right next to me, sorry. And knowing that he knows that I'm disconnected sometimes and saying, you know what, we're in a good place right now because this is where you're supposed to be at. And so this is where I would like to be more connected because I want to be as free as I can talk about my feelings and tell people, Hey, this is my life. This is what I'm doing and not be judged by it and not be criticized by it. And so that event was really great to go to. And especially going with a couple that is not gay, that is not bisexual, you know? Um, so having a great interaction with friends who support me also helped with the situation, which is great. Good. I'm one thing that you mentioned was that you felt like at that event that you went to, there were gay men, there were lesbians, there were bisexual people. I want to touch more a little bit on that. Bisexualism is something that is often misunderstood and overlooked, and that can lead to bi erasure, which happens time and time again. Um, a prominent example that comes to my mind is Freddie Mercury. When I was a kid, everyone just said, oh yeah, he's gay. And that was his identity. And that's not true. He was a bisexual man. So history kind of erases that fact. Have you ever experienced bi erasure in your life? And if so, how did that impact you? Um, I can't say that I've had an event. I can say that I've been in, in a situation where I've been asked, you can't be bi. So me personally, I've been asked um, to define myself as either lesbian or heterosexual um, and can't be both, um, which obviously infuriates me. But these this person that asked me this question was only guided by one way and that had no other way of seeing things until I discussed that, yes, I can be bi. Yes, my sexuality can be both and I don't have to be, uh, you know, like my, my preference in liking women are womenly women. Like I like women that feminine, you know, and, and, it shocks me that some people are just like, no, that you can't be this. You can't do that. Um, but, but they're not aware that there's so many, many possibilities out there that I can, um, I can like things differently and still be true to the fact that I am a bisexual woman. I like women and I like men. And so after having these discussions with this person, they kind of opened up and was just realizing that you love who you love. There's no identity, no race, no, you know, all all this stuff does not matter. The person, the problem or the, the particular thing that we all need to care about is who we love, not, not the rest of the stuff. So hopefully that person, I haven't met them in a long time, has opened up their eyes a little bit. Do you feel like you being able to share your unique lived experience with them was able to give them a different view of the world? Do you feel like it was able to really at least let them see that there is a possibility that someone is bisexual, whereas before they didn't think that was possible? Yes, I believe so. I mean, I think they took that conversation to heart and, and, Mind you, I'm not pushing anybody to change your sexual orientation or sexual preferences, um, but to not shut down relationships you could have with other people because they're different and that you weren't used to or didn't know about. So I, th- I think that person took in our conversation very well. Yes. Good. I'm glad. And I think that you've talked about how you kind of struggle to connect to your community because of your location. But doing things like that, I think, is a great way to connect to your community and kind of also acknowledge and own your own bisexuality. Right. 
honors you. Um, I really appreciate you being so open and honest and vulnerable today, Christine. Um, I know that you are really going to touch someone with your story that, you know, they are going through similar struggles and hopefully you've been able to shine a light for where they need to go. We are going to talk to you a little bit more. We're going to go to another quick break. When we come back, we are going to be answering questions from you at home. So stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Willow Intimacy offers body positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit WillowIntimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Tune in to The Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. We're back. Thank you so much for listening and staying tuned. So far, we've been talking with Christine Ball. She has talked to us about her journey in accepting her sexuality and exploring her sexuality at a young age in a small country town. She has also walked us through her adulthood and how she kind of owns being bisexual when she is married to a man. I hope that that was able to really speak to you and that you were able to see that first off, people can be attracted to both genders or all genders at the same time, and that um, you can still marry someone of the opposite gender, and that doesn't erase your sexuality. We are going to talk to her a little bit more, especially when we answer some of your questions. But first, I want to move over to the section where we highlight a sexual health clinic. As always, this is not a sponsored post. This is just important information that I think you should know. This week, we are going to be discussing the Los Angeles LGBT Center. They are in Los Angeles, California. They've been caring for marginalized populations since 1969. They currently offer free and low-cost HIV and STI testings in locations throughout the LA area. For more information, you can visit LALGBTCenter.org. Again, that is LALGBTCenter.org. All right, Christine, we are ready to answer some questions from some listeners. Are you ready to give your opinion? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The first question that we have in today is, I have never been able to be on top during sex. My past partners haven't cared very much, but my current boyfriend really likes that position. I want to try again, but I'm not sure where to start because I don't really know why it didn't work in the past. Are my legs too big? Am I too short? Is my tummy getting in the way? I don't really know. Are there any tips that you can give me? What do you think, Christine? Um, For being a very tall and thick girl myself, um, really it's just discussing it with your partner. Um, Hey, I don't feel comfortable. I've never been in a relationship that they preferred this way. Having that open communication obviously brings in a great communication for the relationship period. So saying, okay, can you guide me? It's okay. It's, it's all right to say, I need a little bit of guidance and go from there. Absolutely. I wouldn't have even thought of that to ask your partner, you like this position, you've had sex with other people. How has this worked for you in the past? That is great advice and insight that I would not have had. So thank you for that. Yeah, there absolutely. were 
some things that when I read this question that I thought the first is that, um, I all, I want to encourage to only do this if you want to, not everybody needs to be able to do every position and that's okay. So just that keep in true. mind that you are not bad in bed. You are not less desirable because of this, but if you want to do this position, there are some tips that I think are practical and would probably help. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is it sounds like if it's not quite working physically, I wonder if you're not putting your kneecaps on the bed when you are in this position, I encourage you to instead do more of a squat position. So put your feet flat on either side of their hips, and then you can um, put your hands either on the headboard or on the wall. You can put your heads on either side of his head. Um, If you are noticing that you're having a hard time getting penetration and actually getting his um, penis inside of you, you can put some pillows under his butt to kind of lift that up. That can also help if your partner is a bigger guy and kind of move a belly out of the way. They also make different foam wedges and ramps. Um, there's a brand called the liberator. They do a, a system that is great, but it is very expensive. You can find other ones that are knockoffs online. Just don't do any of the inflatable ones. Those are bad. Um, another thing that you could buy, if you feel like you've tried those things and it's not really working, if you have any kind of mobility or flexibility issues, I strongly encourage you to look at, um, a sex bouncer chair, So it's kind of strange. It's a metal frame. And then it has two pieces of elastic that go on top and, um, you can kind of sit on it and bounce. And this is usually sold for like face sitting. It helps with that. It can also be used to help ride your partner. You can even put a pillow underneath him and then get on top. Um, they make different ones that even have, um, Portions that you can put on the bottom so you can insert a dildo if you want to use it for solo play. So it's something that is multifunctional. I love sex accessories that can be used in different positions and different ways with different bodies. So I do encourage you to look into it, those. And I feel like if you really, one of those will work for you. <laughs> Christine, have you ever had any experiences using any of those products? Um, I've experienced a few products, um, a vibrator, dildo. Um, have you ever used like a ramp or a wedge, not a wedge pillows? Like you were saying, since I've had back surgery, I have issues with my hips in certain positions and being on top can be difficult for me. So putting the pillow, like you said, either above, um, below his bottom or on my knees or, you know, below my knees, what definitely helps that situation. I have yet to use any wedges or anything like that, but I've heard of them. We've actually researched them. So it is definitely something to look into. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Um, well, I hope that answers your question. It's time to go ahead and move into the next one. So this is also written in from a listener. It says, I am in my forties and have had my fair share of sexual partners, but only one has ever made me orgasm. And that was only twice in our five years together. My current hookup is great in bed, but it bothers him that he can't make me come. Truthfully, I don't really care. I like sex and I don't need an orgasm from my partner. It always takes me a long time to get there. So I usually just fake one, but I really don't want to do that with him. Is there anything that I can do to help get me there faster? Christine, do you have any experience with that? Uh, Yes, I do. So (laughs) my husband um, has issues also with having... um, masturbation, uh, not masturbation, sorry, um, coming. So, um, we have to talk about it. We have to learn what makes him go more than others. And there's times when I'm just like, am I not good enough? Am I not doing something right? And every single time he's like, look, I feel great. Everything's, everything's going great. You're not doing anything wrong. And so now we're to the point is, Could it be medically something going on? Could it be your hormones? Could it be the levels that are off or or whatnot? Um, You know, there's heart disease in his family. So we are going to soon get his blood work done, get his hormones checked and things like that. And I would recommend that for you too, because it can happen for women. Women could have too much testosterone and it could be the reason why you're not able to, believe it or not. Um, So I would encourage to go through the doctor per se. And then I would also just make sure like what y'all are doing is communicating, saying I'm still sexually, um, being taken care of. I like what you're doing and encouraging 
to not disencourage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Be supportive rather than combative. I agree, especially with, um, seeing if it is a medical issue since, um, it sounds like you are able to have an orgasm on your own. That makes me think it's probably more of a mental block. So, um, I first want to say an orgasm should not be the goal of your sexual encounter. The goal of every sexual encounter should be pleasure. Are you receiving pleasure? Are you giving pleasure? Then it is a success, right? Yes. Um, so I strongly encourage you to have that conversation with your partner and let him know how you are feeling, especially because it seems like he might be pressuring you to have an orgasm. And here's the issue with that. It seems like they are putting your pleasure first, but really anytime the man is pressuring you to have an orgasm, that is their ego. They want to know that they can get you there. That is why so many women fake orgasms with men, right? It's not about our pleasure. We're not doing it for us. <laughs> right? We're right. doing it to make you feel better. So um, I would encourage you to have that conversation with your partner and really highlight like, this is not something that I need. So do a check-in and make sure that this is something that he's really wanting to explore with you and not something that he's pressuring you into. Now, after that conversation, if y'all decide, you know what? No, I really want to give it a go and really try to have an orgasm with my partner. Um, I suggest you to take a look at what makes you have an orgasm when you're alone, right? What activity are you doing? Is it that you are watching, um, a certain type of porn? Great. Tell your partner, listen, I'm really into this. I need some visual simulation when this is happening. Can we try this? And that's fine. Have that conversation. Or maybe it is you are using a certain toy in a certain way. Great. Look at how your partner can interject into that activity so that instead of it becoming something you were doing alone, it is now an activity that you are doing with them there. So if it's that you need to use a vibrator in just the right spot, great. Tab your partner, do something else to another part of your body when that is happening. There are so many ways that someone can be involved. And it sounds like that's really, um, hopefully what he's seeking. I hope in your instance that he's not wanting it for his own masculinity, but rather he's wanting to give you pleasure. And if that's the case, then he should be willing to do whatever to help get you there. Right. Yes. I also I also want to encourage you to um, take it slow. Don't go into it expecting an orgasm. Feel your own body. Work on your breath work. Set the mood. Do lots of foreplay. Light some candles. Put on some sexy music. Um, Something that Christine mentioned was talk. Talk to your partner about what you're experiencing, what your body is feeling like when they are touching you. Really think about, even if your partner just drags his fingers along your arm, okay, what is that sensation in your body? Is it giving you shivers? Be in your body and in the moment. And that can really help kind of get you there. A lot of times um, we put up all these mental roadblocks that are really what is stopping us from being able to come. So if you really take a look and try to take down all those roadblocks before you um, initiate the sexual encounter, it can help you kind of relax and get there, right? Yeah, I would like to add to what Kelly is saying. Your mental health means a lot. So, you know, you don't want to be discouraged. You don't want to be, you know, left behind per se. But if you're having a lot of thought processing going on, maybe you should consider um, about your your mental health and what's happening there also, because that's very important. That's a great point. Yeah. You mentioned to, for, um, the physical health, but mental health is just as important. Absolutely. If yes. you're struggling with depression or anxiety, or even taking medications for those issues can make it hard to orgasm, which is another reason why don't go into a sexual encounter with that being the goal. You're setting yourself yes. up for failure. Even if not failure today, the fact that you are in that mindset, when you, um, approach sex, When you get older, your body changes, men and women, you might experience when you are older that you've spent your whole life with sex being an orgasm and now you're older and sex doesn't look like that anymore. So it can be helpful to kind of challenge those conceptions. Now, um, we are going to head into our last question. So this one says, I am a young single mom and I'm not really looking for anything serious. I have a friends with benefits I've known for years. We only started hooking up after I split from my ex. We currently only get together about once a month, but I'd like to see them more. How can I ask them for more sex while not wanting anything more serious than that? I don't want to send mixed signals. Christine, what are your thoughts? Ooh, this one is a tough one because 
we're already portrayed as uh, emotional creatures. And she really needs to just step on up and say, this is nothing to do with emotions. This is all physical having that conversation and then um, putting restrictions. Like if y'all have to, and say, if we're going to meet up three times a month, let's restrict on how long we're together or whatever y'all need to do to make that um, new assessment work out for you. Um, That would be up to him, obviously participating. And if it doesn't work, then then you already know your answer per se, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I agree with what you said. I also um, would encourage you to just have that conversation. Like, yes, to Christine's point, women are often painted in society as wanting more of an emotional connection. But I think most women know that that's not true. There are many women who want to have sex physically with no emotional strings attached. And if that is what you are looking for, tell him that. Have an open and honest conversation about listen, I really like our arrangement, but I would like it to be more frequently. I'm not asking you for an emotional connection. Maybe y'all don't even go on dates. I don't know what your relationship is, but describe what you are having now and just explain that you want that more. So I don't want you to come over and spend four weeks with me. I just want to see, you you know, every weekend or whatever that is. Right. So I strongly encourage you to have that conversation. I really feel like communication is so important and it can really, um, help foster a safe space with your sexual partners, which is something that you should always want, no matter how close you are emotionally with them. You should feel safe enough to engage in sexual activity with your partner. And a big part of that is communication. Do you agree, Christine? I do. And I think that you're right with the safe, like you should feel safe in the situation that you're in. And, and, um, and hopefully that will, that will bring good news to you. (laughs) So, um, So yeah, I I agree with everything you just said. (laughs) Thanks. Do you feel like in your sexual relationships, you prioritize communication as well? It seems like you and your partner communicate very well together. Yes. Um, Yes. Uh, I've been in too many relationships to now know what a relationship should be. And communication is number one key. The rest will fall in place because if you can talk about it, everything works out. Um, so I'm a, I'm a strong advocate of communication with everything in your life. It really matters. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I really appreciate Christine, you coming on and sharing your story to get today and, um, really telling us how as a bisexual woman, you are able to own your sexuality, even though you are married to a man. I really feel like you are able to display what a healthy relationship can look like if you do have a partner who is supportive of your life and your sexuality. I know that I appreciated you mentioning um, the fact that he doesn't um, pressure you to kind of cut yourself off from the fact that you are attracted to women, that he is able to hold that space for you. Um, That's so important. And I think that everyone should look for a partner who kind of supports them in that same way, whether it is about your sexuality or your weight or the fact that you leave crackers in bed, whatever it is, I hope that everyone has someone who supports them that same way. I do want to thank you so much for listening today. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on the next show, you can send an email to show at willowintimacy.com. Otherwise, until next week, deepen your roots, branch out with love and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learned something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. Until next time, we hope you feel loved.